Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Have you changed your style and do you think that we've grown up differently? Don't seem the same. Seems you've lost your Uh, the late great Wes Montgomery had like a 50 share at Chet. Best MC ever. Funniest guy. And uh, in terms of my career, one of the most uh, positive influences in terms of believing in the minimal amount of talent I actually had when I was in my 20s and 30s. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. I love that song. Uh, just before we go to John Shannon, because we do just disagree with John once in a while, I want to mention to you Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. They're still making it great. Get the new Canadian Club pizza with ham, chicken, bacon, ranch, and fresh tomatoes. Visit royalpizza.ca. Uh, John Shannon's had a lengthy broadcasting career. He's our NHL insider for legacy heating and cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy heating and cooling as uh, we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino and bring John aboard. John, how you doing? I'm great, Bob. You? Good. You knew Wes Montgomery. He was a funny, funny man, wasn't he? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, there are legends in Canadian radio across this country. Every city had... Uh, one of those morning men that did uh, did so many things and 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 created a narrative in each of those cities and in Edmonton it was West Montgomery that's for sure. Yeah, he was uh, he was uh, uh, just a crazy. Uh, oh man, I'm telling you, it just takes me back to the days of Bo's Sports <laughs> Parlor in the uh, well, city cities. It was the Wild West, Bob. <laughs> yes, it was, and and West made the most of the Wild West, and he passed away at the age of 66 back in 2005. Uh, he was 6:30 Ted's morning man for almost 20 years. And I, I kid you not, at one point, had a 50 share. Now, there weren't a lot of radio, but still, he, like, you made it when he name-dropped you on his show. That's kind of how it was back in the day. All right, uh, we do just disagree. Uh, Frank Cervalli came on the show yes, yesterday. We talked to, he said there's a lack of accountability uh, from uh, NHL officials and how hol- the, the whole structure or process works. You have as much knowledge as anybody in this area, and you've got the context. You worked at the league. You've been at this a long time. Is there less accountability today, John? Uh, on on the and look, we'll get to the Oilers and the Leafs. And, the, and Edmonton played horribly the other night. Didn't have enough juice going. All that being said. Does there need to maybe be a little bit more accountability from a league perspective? And not to say that the refs don't get judged, they do, but it's an internal review. It's not an external review that we hear about. What do you think? So uh, are we are we misinterpreting accountability for transparency? Okay, maybe transparency is a better word. Yes. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know what? It, it it does. There is some logic to it. We have seen. 
in other sports, particularly baseball, where there is access to uh, the chief, the, the the umpiring chief of a of a World Series game. Yeah. Um, that uh, he, there's a pool reporter that goes in and asks them the questions on behalf of everybody. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's, a, that's, that's possible. That could make sense. But uh, I think that, um, that the, the accountability to the league people, Stephen Walkham, Colin Campbell, and eventually to the, to the desk of the commissioner, I, I think that there's plenty of accountability. That, that if you get a situation where you are deemed to suggest that they're, they're, you're not pulling your weight as a referee, you're misjudging situations, um, you're not going to officiate very much longer, particularly in the playoffs. The one thing I would say is that the accountability has changed a great deal, Bob, uh, because of video review and the fact now that uh, there can be communication between the Situation Room in Toronto and the two referees and the two linesmen on the ice to say, hey, you know, and, and, and let's, let's not, let's not uh, mistake anything. Sure, they're talking about certain plays, but there can be a guiding hand in scenarios to, to make sure that what happens, happens. Supervisors are on, on series. They can talk between periods. Uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really as concerned about what, uh, what Frank is talking about with accountability, but transparency think, might you know be what? something. I, I, I need to clarify. I actually think he said transparency. Not a, oh, I, I don't okay. want to sell Frank down the river here. I do no. think it was transparency and not accountability was the word. And I, can, and I can see that from Frank. I could actually see that from Frank, who is, uh, as you know, president of the PHWA, the Professional Hockey Writers Association, has always wanted more access. He had access, for instance, on, fr- on Monday. Yes. Uh, to the draft lottery, and and those are those are important things, so that we cannot uh, we can legitimize scenarios that people think are rigged. <laughs> I don't, like we're in, we're in Edmonton. Like I'm never gonna. I know it's not rigged, and I know the owners were damn lucky. So, like <laughs> it's, it is. Yeah, well, well, but but let's face it. They, because the Oilers did what they did, they had to change the rules. Right? The rules are changed. You yeah, can't win. You can only win the the lottery twice in five years now. Right? Yeah. Well, and people forget the Oilers didn't win the lottery in '11. Uh, they did in '10 and '12, and uh, and then obviously most importantly, won it in '15. New Jersey won it in '11. Move from to four and drafted Adam Larson. John Shannon joins us. John, Cam Sharon put out a tweet about the fact that there's a declining amount of uh, power play opportunities in games five through seven, especially for teams that have good power plays, which would lend itself like I have a couple theories. One of my theories is uh, that uh, experienced teams draw more calls. Like the Oilers in the early 80s, they didn't get as many calls as the Islanders. By the time the Oilers of the late 80s, early 90s played Boston, I thought they got more calls than Boston. Some people think I'm a complete idiot for thinking that way. Um, some of them are in my own household. And, uh, and but, I, but Cam actually statistically was able to show that teams with better power plays got less calls as series goes on. And part of it is because, you know, I think we have this theory that officials, they kind of want to manage the game and they don't want to influence the outcome of the game by putting a team with a good power play on the power play. Now, I don't know whether or not you buy that or not, but the numbers kind of warranted and suggested that that's actually the case for games five through seven. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's funny because uh, we we talked to the commissioner last Friday yeah. uh, about these types of issues and about officiating, and that uh, that the standard was being interpreted much tighter through the whole game. Did we address through the whole series? No, but you don't get the same referees 
in every game of the uh, of a playoff series. And, I, and the one thing that the commissioner did talk about, he says he did say that uh, if you make a call, you think you're dictating the, the flow of the game, but you're also dictating the flow of the game if you don't make the call. And I think that there's a real push from the league to create some consistency. Um, I haven't seen the numbers that Cam uh, looked at, but what I would say is that I think in the last couple of years, they have tried to be much more consistent with what happens on the ice to make the calls. That's not to say I'm defending the officials, because I, I do think that as series go on and the intensity goes on they tend to let a lot more calls go because they feel that the teams are at a certain level of, of intensity a certain level of competition that they set the bar so high that it's difficult then to call anything all right um, if theoretically Toronto loses tonight yeah what does it mean for the Maple Leafs organization well I think everything's on the table uh, and I think that uh, what we're talking about isn't a decision from Brendan Shanahan first. I think it's probably a decision for the, the board of directors of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, which includes two executives from Bell, two executives from Rogers, Larry Tannenbaum and Dale Lastman. Yeah. That I think that that's where the decisions will be made. At this point, I can tell you, Bob, that um, no one right now is allowed to offer or extend contracts right at, at this moment uh, that's been in place for a few months now and i because th i think they want to see in w what's happening right uh, w with the hockey club and how far it's going to go do you have uh you know the orders are hey the orders are down two on to vegas we knew vegas was going to be a real good team they finished ahead of edmonton in the regular season uh i'd say they're, they're they they appear to be deeper than edmonton up front they've got a good defense uh both teams a little bit unproven in goal. Edmonton's got the star power at any time. I mean, I had one of the Vegas executives tell me today, Bob, Connor, and Leon are at a level that they can themselves flip a yeah. game on its ear. Um, the orders are in a di completely different situation than Toronto, though, are they not? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I think that um, the, the, the pressure to win game four in Edmonton is not near the pressure to win game four in Florida uh, for for the Canadian teams. Uh, the one thing I would say is I, I, I would, I, I understand your thought about the depth of the Golden Knights because they are a deep team and that's one of the things that they have going for them. But, I, but I, I think that the Oilers have quite a bit of depth themselves if guys like Ryan Nugent Hopkins are, are pulling their weight. Yeah, he's you had know, a quiet playoff, hasn't he? He really has. And, I think, you know, and, and when you look at what has to happen and the juggling that occurs, you know, the fact that you put Leon and Connor together, well, what does that do to the second line and, and Nugent Hopkins becomes a center? You know, would it be better to keep them? Would it be better to keep them separated? It's probably better at home to keep them separated, and and then use those commercial timeouts or or key opportunity timeouts at five on five to use them together. But a lot of it is the the impetus of of that next group of players: Vander Kane, Zach Hyman, if he's healthy enough, uh, Yamamoto. Um, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's, you know, it, it, it feels like forever ago that we talked about him being a 100-point guy. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any explanation? We had a caller in the previous hour ago. How do you explain the range of scores in round two where every game, the only games that have been close have been Florida and Toronto. The other three series, each game has been a blowout either way for these teams. 
Well, yeah, I, I think you look at it, and I, I think that it, it, a little bit goes back to officiating. And I also think that you look at the approach of the teams, that teams would rather try to kill you with speed than try to intimidate you with physical force. And the moment you put speed in play, and the other thing is, Bob, look at the age of the teams. You know, how, what would you describe as a veteran team now? You know, you look at the New Jersey Devils. Uh, they're a bunch of pups. They're a bunch of kids. Uh, they're playing river hockey at this times. Is, this they're, is the start of it for them. Yeah, but 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 you know, but look at the three you know the the four games that they've played and the scores that are going on there. When they get on a roll, they score eight. When they make too many mistakes, there's six in one period scored against them. You know that's and and that's the emotional ride that you go on when you when you live with speed. And everybody's trying to live with speed right now. And the only team that isn't trying to live with speed is the Florida Panthers, who are just trying to keep the Maple Leafs to the outside. And I would suggest that that's one of the big reasons. All right, John, great stuff. Uh, thanks for joining us here on Oilers Now. Talk to you soon. You bet. It is uh, 2.50 in Edmonton. We'll wrap up Oilers Now after this. Bono turning 63 today, 2.53 in Edmonton. Bob Stauffer, extended coverage Oilers Now. Let's get to this day in Oilers history for New West Travel. Serving travelers since 1979. Book your vacation today at newwesttravel.com. Here's Brendan. Yeah, 2006, the Oilers get a two-point effort from Rafi Torres before Sean Horkoff scored at uh, 2.24 of the third overtime period. Gave the Oilers a 3-2 win over the Sharks. Cut San Jose's second-round series lead to two games to one. How about that? Yaroslav Spachek and Chris Pronger each playing over 46 minutes, I guess so, when you're in the third overtime period. Yeah, they they weren't the same deep pairing. Jason Smith was paired with Pronger for a lot of that playoff run. Uh, Oilers got uh, handled. They didn't get a lot of shots in the first two games against San Jose. Nobody thought they'd come back. They did. They won four straight. Tonight's game four, Edmonton and Vegas. Uh, we'll have the face-off show with Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, uh, Jack Michaels has got the call tonight's game with me, Cam Moon, and Brendan Escott, all part of the Oilers Radio Network. 8-10 puck drop. Let's hope it's a beautiful day, beautiful night for the Edmonton Oilers. Tomorrow, the Oilers will fly to Vegas. Cam uh, will join Brendan Escott in studio. Uh, one of their guests will be Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey on Rogers for Ames Door Service. They will also have Edmonton Oil Kings GM Kurt Hiltz, the WHL Bantam Draft tomorrow. I'll join you Friday from Vegas, but back on at 6.35 with Reed tonight. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Randy Kilburn, and then Chelsea Unchad with Chelsea Bird. Have a wonderful afternoon, everybody. Everybody.